so Westside, I want to say hello to you, dads, stepdads, uh, bio dads, adoptive dads, foster dads, big brother like dads, granddads, dads and waiting, dads and hoping. I just want to say happy Father's Day to you. Um, we know that Father's Day can be really uh, a joyous time. It can also be a really hard time. So we just want to say thank you for joining us today. And I'd love just to kind of hit the pause button and pray together. So will you join me? So Father, we just say thank you for this moment. We thank you that you as our Heavenly Father, you are a good, good dad. And we just come together with um, maybe deep pain, with incredible memories and with times with our dads here in the present that we just bring it all right here wherever we come from in this moment whatever our faith background whatever our thoughts about you whatever our journey as dads are having been fathered and we just say this time is yours and so come holy spirit come jesus come father with your deep heart to us today amen you know, in the midst of the hardship of COVID-19 and so many other things swirling in, in this time for us, there, there is a silver lining, which is we have been afforded the opportunity to like do things and experience things that actually go back ages. I want to look at a passage that really, if you think about Jesus growing up, this would have been the bedrock passage that he was raised on by his parents. For any Jewish boy growing up, this would have been the cornerstone the foundational piece it's found in Deuteronomy chapter 6. And what I think will be interesting about it is as we go to it, it will feel, if you think just maybe like six months prior to now, it, it would have felt kind of foreign. But now I think you go, oh, maybe I've been experiencing this and maybe I can perhaps do this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 in the Old Testament, here's what's going on, is that the, the, the people of God the Jews have been wandering in the wilderness, but they're now being prepared to enter into what's called the promised land. And that promised land is really cool, but it's filled with a lot of different uh, people with different kinds of beliefs. And so God, through his leader Moses, is preparing them to say, of all the things you could bring with you from the wilderness into the promised land, I'm going to give you just two things to carry from your heart. What is going to be in you? as you go into the promised land. This is the, called the Shema, and it reads like this. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Okay, so right out of the gate, it's going, look, you're going to enter into a, a land of a lot of what's called polytheism, the belief in many different types of gods, right? But just remember, I am the Lord your God. So just one God here, interestingly, that word for God is plural. So hello, foreshadowing of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Very, very cool. But just remember, you don't have to go to this God, that God. You just come to me. Here's the second thing. The second thing is love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. And so what's really cool is there are 613 laws. That's a lot, right? But when God boils it all the way down and says, what do I want you to carry with you into the promised land? Two things. Remember, I am one and I want you to be a people of love. And when Jesus is asked about of all 613 laws, what's the most important? He quotes this very moment. He quotes this very, he says, love the Lord God with all that you've got. And then he deftly pulls from a different place in an Old Testament book called Leviticus and says, and the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. It all comes down 
to love. Isn't that cool? Like of everything that we should be focused on, we are called to be a people of, of love. Love God and love others. Now, easy to say, right? Especially in this era, in our lives, in times of stress and volatility and depression and mental illness and division and all those things. Easy to say, put it on the bumper sticker and how do you live it out? And here comes that instruction that I think now we can relate to. Impress them on your children. This isn't just about you. You might be able to kind of figure this out. But how does this carry on at that DNA cultural level? Impress them on your children. Now, what does that word impress mean? <laughs> it actually just means repetition. And the imagery around that word is to sharpen. It's like to take a stone with, with a blade and just over and over, just grinding the stone upon the blade. So you're sharpening the focus of God is one, and we're to be a loving people to God and to others over and over and over. And then he gives some practicalities. Here's what he says. Talk about them, that God is one and we're to be a people of love. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, if that doesn't sound like quarantine, I don't know what else does. When you sit at home, we've been doing a lot of that, packing away the COVID-20, haven't we, right? When you lie down and when you get up, well, for the first time, we're not traveling from here to there. We're not rushing off to the board meeting. We're not traveling to other cities. We're not taking the kids to soccer practice or dance recitals. We actually are waking up, most of us, some of us at the same time. We're going to bed kind of the same time. We're having family meals. We're like together. And then he says, and when you walk along the road. Now, back in that day, that's all they did. You didn't have to use the word walk. It's like when you went somewhere, they just go, you would walk. You'd say, son, come with me to the market. Son, come with me to the Sea of Galilee. My daughter, come with me as we go. And, and it was just this constant, beautiful picture of walking side by side, the open Galilean landscape or wherever they might have been, just open to them. No distractions, no devices, no billboards just being together, open, space, time for conversation. And I'm seeing a lot of that now. I'm seeing more neighbors in my neighborhood than I've ever seen before. I'm seeing multi-generational walks. I'm seeing grandparents all the way down to babies and strollers. And I'm seeing teenagers on walks. Like they're walking with their parents and they look reasonably happy about it. But I know that they're not. Why? Because I have now near teenagers and they're furious when we make them go on these walks with us. We actually call them forced family walks and they just moan and they like roll their eyes and they complain and they're worried that they're going to be seen with us and we don't care because we go on the FFW is what we call it, the forced family walk. Just last week, my wife and I said, hey, let's, uh, Let's, let's surprise the girls. Let's go on a forced family walk, but we're actually gonna keep going to the local yogurt store, Peachway. But let's not tell them. Let's just like make them grind it out. So we tell them we're going on a forced family walk and oh, it's too on and oh, we might be seen and oh, that's so uncool. And we just like, come on, let's go get your shoes on, let's roll. We get to the end of the block and they stop. They literally stop and they say, we are going no further. 
And my wife, Elise and I, we, we cross the street, we go to the other side. They literally turn around, they start to walk back to the house. And, uh, and this is the moment I regret. Because I said, well, I guess you guys don't want Peach Wave. And my goodness, they suddenly mustered the strength and courage to carry on. <laughs> they picked up their pace. We went to Peach Wave. We had a great time, but I wish I hadn't have said that. I, I wish I had just said, okay, we'll go home. And we would have gone off to Peach Wave and the Forest Family Walk would have become date night for Elise and me. And we would have come home brandishing our green Peach Wave cups and saying, I got your ice cream. I got your ice cream. I got your ice cream. Totally missed that moment, but here's the point. Parents, dads, families, we have an opportunity that as shelter in place is being lifted, as phase three, phase four, whatever, as, as, as we're all coming back into our normal lives, I just want to beg, I want to plead, I want to say, let's not go mindlessly back to the way things were. Can we sit at home? Can we wake up together and go to bed at the same time? And can we keep walking? And dads, I want to say this, let's go first. Let's keep taking those walks. So as an interesting aside, Westside, I know that you guys are doing a very cool thing. Instead of kids gig or come to the church building for a program, you actually are unleashing the Westside body to, uh, to be right where you are, the church in your neighborhood. And one of the suggestions is to actually take a walk. It's called Make Your Move. You can check it out uh, online. But here's what I'd like to do. I'd actually, as I've been thinking about my experience as a dad and parenting in general, I think metaphorically speaking, we can describe the parenting journey, the development of our child and our families through five stages of taking a walk. Number one is the stroller push. That's where you take your little baby burrito and you bundle it up and you snuck it, you know, tuck it in and it's all snug and then uh, you strap it in. But as the parent, you apply all the energy uphill, downhill. It's all about you. Here's a picture. If you'll indulge me, by the way, I have pictures for each of these five stages or most of them. Uh, this is a picture of after our third daughter was born. And if you're listening to this by podcast or whatever, let me describe it to you. There's a double stroller with two babies and diapers. There's a third stroller with another baby and diapers. And there's two dogs tethered to a leash. My wife, Elise and I were looking very happy like we got things under control, but it's absolute chaos. There is no control. And I don't think we took a walk for another five years afterwards, but that's the stroller push stage that we all go through and it's about nurture where our children need nurture number two is what i call the tethered walk and this is actually where that little baby burrito gets unbundled and now is just just raging with energy discovery wonder wants to explore everywhere and in the words of chris berman you can't stop them you can only hope to contain them and so you need to put them on some form of tethering or some form of leash until they can learn their own sense of boundaries, their own sense of limits. Here's a picture of two of my baby daughters. We're getting ready to go on our first plane trip. We're going through the airport. We're heading out to Arizona and we put them on these little monkey leashes. It was the only way that we could have some modicum of control and, uh, and restraint. And that's what it's about. That stage is about applying restraint to our children. But the third stage is we can't keep them there forever. We have to give them 
a sense of adventure. It's what I call the hike stage, where we're giving more freedom to our children and we're actually pushing them to stretch their limits, to experience a sense of risk, to go to a place where they have to summon something deep within them. Here's a picture of Hadley. She's up on kind of a high-ish kind of log and she's walking across a creek and I'm sitting there watching her. It's not that high, but it's high enough for me, I'll tell you. But that's the stage called the hike stage, where we're pushing, challenging, and stretching our children, where they're gaining confidence in their developmental stage. The fourth stage is called the forced family walk. And the forced family walk, we've already discussed, that's where your kids don't wanna go with you. That's where they think it's totally uncool to be with you. But what are you doing? You are logging time. How do you spell quality time? Simply T-I-M-E. You are just being with them. You are bringing them along into the things that you're doing. You're investing in them as much as they want to communicate to you that they don't need you, they do. Um, you know, it's funny, last, uh, last week I spoke at a, at a public event. It was actually um, a rally for church unity and to speak out against police brutality. And it was this beautiful church experience coming together. And uh, I got up on stage after the band played and the band was phenomenal. And so I, first thing I said was, man, you guys just slayed it. Well, I got home that night and my girls were merciless. They said, dad, you cannot say the word slay. I'm like, why is like that word not cool? They said, no, it is cool. That's why you can't say it. All that to say, the Force Family Walk is so important. At the times that you think you're least needed, you're needed the most, so keep walking. The fifth stage is called the stroll. It's really the walk of friendship. It's about friendship where now you're becoming adult to adult versus you know this hierarchical sense of parent to child, and you're now talking on the level as friends. I'm not in that stage. I look forward to it, but I've actually gotten a, a, a glimpse or two of it. A few uh, weeks ago, I said to my, my daughter, I was about to go out on a prayer walk, and I said, hey, I'm gonna go on a walk. You, you wanna come with me? And she actually said, I thought for sure she'd say no. She actually said, well, when are you going? Uh, right now? She said, sure. And now a couple of times we've gone on these morning walks together, and the conversations are just amazing. She'll ask me questions like, Dad, when did you feel most secure in your identity when you were my age? Or Dad, was there racism back in your day? Or Dad, who do you feel most comfortable and at ease and like you can be yourself? With what friend? I mean, the conversations just open up. Why? Because we have space, because we have time. These are the five family uh, stages of the walk, right? The stroller push, the, the tethered walk, the, 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 the hike walk, the forced family walk, and then the stroll. It's nurture, it's restraint, it's about adventure or risk, it's about time, and it's about friendship. Now, three things. This is how we impress upon our children. This, through every single one of these five stages, is, is how we just sharpen stone to blade and build in what? God is one.
and we are to love him and love others with everything that we've got. But here's the question. As parents, how do we know what stage to take what walk in? That's the tricky part. So this is the part where, as parents, we, we're, we're always going to mess it up. You know, when our, when our children need to be taken on an adventure, we keep them in, this, in the push stroller. And that's called coddling. That's called enabling. And it looks a little bit like, like this. This is uh, my three girls in a creek with their bicycle helmets on. <laughs> so if that doesn't say coddle, I don't know what does. What we do know is our children need to develop what the University of Pennsylvania describes as a grit scale. And that the grit in each of us in our developmental stages will far out uh, perform, whether it's over intelligence, physical strength, any other thing. Actually, the more grit, having gone through hardship and perseverance, will determine our success in life. Tim Elmer, in his great book, Generation Z Unfiltered, would say this, that for so often our generation of parenting, we rescue too quickly, we re reward too frequently, we risk too little, and we rave too often. We've gone to the way other extreme from prior generations. And the, the challenge for us is to say, we gotta let our kids take risks. Another thing that we do is when our children need nurture, when they need that push stroller kind of moment where we come in and we, we come around them in support, we keep pushing them. We keep making them do the, 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 the big hike. We keep stretching them all the way to maybe pushing them off a cliff, such as this picture where my just about six-year-old daughter uh, was dropped off a 25-foot cliff into the Colorado River. Uh, I think I just wanted to show you my six-year-old daughter jumping into the Colorado River, but um, nonetheless, a picture of maybe we push too hard too far. Another example is when our children need to be tethered and we just want to be their friend. And so often we get these wrong because it's kind of about us, our needs, our fears, our insecurities, what we, what we kind of hope to experience. And sometimes we just want to be the friend. And maybe that's uh, the dad who uh, walked out on the family but gets to see his, his children uh, once a month or on weekends. And you just, you, from a place of guilt, you just want to be the friend dad. And so you take them places and you buy them things, but you're not the dad that they most often need. We can all fall into that place of wanting to be their friend when they actually need limits. They need structure. They need challenge. I want to just read to you from, uh, uh, from a quote from one of my favorite dad books. It's called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. And it's Dr. Meg Meeker. And, and here's what she writes. She says, let me tell you a secret. Many daughters challenge their fathers too. They'll dive into a power struggle with you, not to see how tough you are, but to see how much you really care about them. See, whether it's a forced family walk, whether it's about investing time and they, you think they don't want you around, they want you around. And here's how she continues. So remember that when she, your daughter, pushed hard against your rules, flailing, crying that you are mean or unfair, she is really asking you a question. Am I worth the fight? Am I worth the fight, Dad? 
Are you strong enough to handle me? Make sure she knows the answer is yes. Our children, they need those limits. They need to take those risks. They need to have us come along and nurture. And we need to be able to be dynamic in our parenting to know what do they most need right now. And you and I, we can experience those moments when we as sons and daughters receive from our fathers maybe the wrong moment at the wrong time. Some of us never had dads that took us through any of those stages of, of a walk, and that's called abandonment. Others of us had fathers who maybe were only stuck in one stage for their entire parenting life. Maybe your dad was just always pushing you on the hike, never nurturing. Maybe your dad was always tethering, never releasing. Maybe your dad, again, was just only your friend, but didn't have the courage to step in. And any and all of those things can lead to what's called a dad wound, a father wound. And that can cripple a person for life. It can also affect the way that we see God. The way that we understand our Father in heaven is oftentimes projected upon our experience with our earthly dads. And the truth of the matter is that the way that we think about God and experience God is actually through similarly those five stages. Some of us want God to only be the stroller push God. It's like, God, I just need you to kind of be my genie in a bottle. I need you to be my vending machine. I need you to supply all the effort. And isn't this what you, you, you exist to kind of serve me, right? Some of us view God as the tethering God, just out to constantly work against us, to restrain us, to hold us back from our happy life. And God is just kind of constantly trying to rein you in, and that's what he's doing, just judging your behavior. Or maybe he's that exacting God, pushing you, stretching you, never letting you have a sense of his approval, because he's always trying to push you to the next thing to seek that love you desire with God. Or maybe it's the forced, forced walk God. It's like, I gotta do it. I gotta have my quiet time with God. He won't be happy unless I go on this walk, you know. Or maybe it's the friendship walk. But the question is, what is he? Is he the push stroller walk God? Is he the tether God? Is he the forced walk God? Is he the adventure God? And the answer is yes. He's actually all of those things. Why? Because as his kids, he wants to impress upon you and me and our hearts that he is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and that he is love, and that we are called to love him and love others with everything that we've got. And so God comes to you and me in all the stages of our development, in all the walks of our life, and he comes to us in love. And sometimes that is friendship and sometimes that is adventure and risk and sometimes that's a push stroller of nurture that he wants to give you but it will always be exactly what you need at just the right time if we let him and will you let him I just know in my life that there's so many times where I cry out to God I, I need this from you and God's saying I have something for you. I want to read to you another passage. It's from Hebrews that likens our experience with our earthly dads 
with our Heavenly Father. And here's what uh, the author of Hebrews writes. He says, our, our human fathers disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. In other words, we mess it up all the times as dads, don't we? But God disciplines us for our good. He tethers us. He brings restraint. He brings limits. And he does this in order that we may share in his holiness. And that word has a sense of completion, having been fully developed as human beings. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Who wants to be on a monkey leash, right? Later on, however, get this, it produces a harvest of righteousness. What does that word mean? Right relationship. Right relationship that leads to a right living and peace. It leads to a harvest of right relationship and peace, which means a comprehensive sense of harmony within ourselves, with all creation, with God, and with others. The Hebrews, in, in their language, call it shalom. It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. What is God's end game with you and me? It's that He would shape in our hearts love. That He is the God of love would come to you and me and, and wherever you are right now so that there would be a right relating with Him, a deep peace within and with others, and a full harvest that when fully trained by it, you know what it actually looks like? It looks like how it originally began in the garden. In Genesis chapter 3, we get this picture of what it was like before human beings decided to walk their own way in the Great Rebellion. There used to be, it seems, this daily ritual habit uh, of taking a walk together. It says in Genesis chapter 3 that the Lord God walked through the garden in the cool of the day, looking for His creation, looking for Adam and Eve. And that has always struck me that by design, God's deep heart is to walk with you in friendship through the garden in the cool of the day. You know, when I was talking to my daughter on that walk, when in fact, when I even invited her to go on that walk with me, and by the way, the picture that we showed earlier, um, that, that was a picture my wife took of us through the, through the window. And uh, I don't know if you noticed it, we'll bring it back up here. Yes, I'm rocking the dad crocs in that moment. But I just gotta take you behind the scenes because the question is, how does God feel about you? And how does God desire to take uh, uh, that walk of friendship with you, that stroll through the garden in the cool of the day? I don't exactly know, but as a dad, here's what I do know. Is that when my daughter, when, when she showed this openness to even wanting to go on this walk, when, when she said, well, when are, you, when are you going? And I casually said, well, now, in reality, the answer was whenever, whenever, it just at any time, you tell me, right? And when she said that word, sure, I mean, I went upstairs and I told Elise, I'm like, she wants to go on a walk with me. We go outside, we're walking along the sidewalk and I'm trying to play it so cool, you know? I'm trying to be like, yeah, so I got my coffee and we're just having this great conversation. Inside, I wanna shout to all the neighbors. I wanna say, this is my daughter and we're walking. Do you see this? This is, this is my daughter. We're on the walk together. And, and when we're walking, does everyone see this? And that's what the father really pronounced and shouted to all the cosmos 
about his son. This is my son whom I love. In him, I am well pleased. And because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, we have that same inheritance as God's kids, where he pronounces over you and me. This is my son. This is my daughter. Do you see? I love him. I love her. I don't care what they've done. I don't care where they've been. I am so pleased to be with them. That's the deep walk of friendship that your father desires with you. And what does it take to go on that walk? And to begin all those stages of his nurture, his restraint, his challenge, his adventure, his sense of time with you, and that friendship, it just takes what my daughter said. Sure. When are you going? And the answer from your Father in heaven is always, always this. Whenever. As in, right now.